Welcome to 900 Acon Avenue. What follows is the service from February 12th, 2023. Thank you and God bless. Oh! 
Lord, we ask for just for prayers for everybody who is on our prayer list, those recovering from illness, those recovering from uh, various surgeries, and those who are um, overseas doing your work. Dear Lord, we just ask for your continued prayers for them. Um, lead us in our worship today. Lead us in this space. Uh, we pray that the word that JP has for us is uplifting. Um, it's something that we can take with us, not only today, but throughout this week. Uh, we just ask for your continued blessings over this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Six hundred sixty-two. Six sixty-two.
to be free from the burden of sin. Help us to be mindful of suffering in the world, 
without being overwhelmed. Lord, have mercy. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you want to open your Bible to Matthew chapter 5, our reading is going to come from there this morning. But I also want you to kind of be able to see the flow of some of what we're doing. This is page 785 in your pew Bible. Page 785 in your pew Bible. And I'll set it up this way. We're going to be talking about relationships this morning. And often in our relational interactions, we get caught up in cycles. It's hard to know how to get out of a cycle that we can sometimes get stuck in. You might have had a similar experience to one of these. I had an elderly grandmother. She's now deceased, and, and we miss her. I remember later in life when she was living in a facility in an apartment. It was not her normal home she was used to. And every few months, I would go visit her. And we would frequently have this interaction. I would walk in, and she would say, Well, there you are. No one has come to visit me in forever. That would be her opening line. <laughs> and I'd say, well, grandmother, I'm, I'm super busy, like I'm raising kids and stuff. And she's like, well, people just forget about you when you get older. And we would just kind of get caught, like immediately as you walk in the door, you're just kind of stuck in that spiral. And, and how do I get out of it? Uh, spouses out there, you might have had this experience. Uh, maybe you're the one that comes home when the other spouse was home, keeping, keeping the house together. And you, you get there and you walk into the house and you seriously wonder, did a tornado come through the house? Like, it is crazy. And you just kind of look around and you go, boy, this house is a wreck. And they look at you and say, well, where were you? I was home keeping the family going. And you're like, oh, man, how am I going to get out of this conversation now? <laughs> or vice versa, right? You're the one that's home. The other spouse gets home and they just look at you and say, finally. That's all I have to say, right? And then you got to get stuck in that cycle. And it's, I find that so many of my relationships, it's just like patterns and cycles that you, and sometimes you're stuck in these things for years. I think I told you guys this story once, but when I was 11 years old, I admit it, I wrecked the family go-kart. It was our prized possession we'd got one year for Christmas. Me and my buddy were playing. We ran into the basketball hoop in the family go-kart. My brothers still remind me of that. We'll be getting together for a family function. All the cousins are around. I said, I'll take the cousins out in the woods. They can burn off some energy and we'll play. And they'll say, well, be careful. Remember how you are. You wrecked the go-kart. I want to be, that was 33 years ago. Let it rest, right? But like these cycles and these remembrances. And um, life is full of, of difficult people. And uh, I'm constantly reminded I'm one of those difficult people. <laughs> so how do we do relationships well? And that's what Jesus is focusing on uh, in our reading this morning. Okay, so Sermon on the Mount, one of the most famous teachings of Scripture from Jesus, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And he starts off, and we did this a few weeks ago, on the Beatitudes, the blessings, where he says, Hey, you know, a lot of you feel like you've missed out on the good life, but you can have the good life. It's not just for the people in Jerusalem. It's not just for the people that have money. It's not just for the people that were born to successful families. The poor and the marginalized and the weak and the vulnerable. You can have a good life too. In fact, as this good life, as this kingdom life spreads, I'm going to start with you all. And you are going to be salt of the earth, the light of the world. 
in a city set on a hill. Not like that city in Jerusalem, Mount Zion, that has become associated with hypocrisy and selling out to the Romans. No, you are going to be a city on a hill that is a true light to the world. You've been cast out by everyone else, but I have chosen you, and I'm going to start with you. And I'm going to tell you some things. As I tell you these things, you're going to think, is he just ripping up the Old Testament? They wouldn't call it the Old Testament. Okay, but is he just ripping up the door? Like, what's going on? He's like, I want you to know in advance as I go through this, it's not that I don't care about the law of Moses. We just got to go deeper. Because, and how often have you had this experience? What I'm doing now is not working. If I want things to change, I got to do something else. And, th and these are hard times. And I've had this so often in my life. I'm like, what I'm doing now is not working. So if I want things to be different, I've got to do something else. And normally that something else is deeper, harder, more challenging, stretching myself. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's not anti-Moses. What he's saying is, God's revelation didn't go far enough, and it's going to go even further now into holiness. And this is going to fulfill what the intention always was. So when he says in the reading before our reading that your righteousness will exceed the scribes and the Pharisees, he's not introducing some new type of legalism where he's like, you've got to go out and be perfect every day of your life. And if, if you're not perfect, God doesn't love you. Like he's not doing that. He's saying, as you go deeper, the results will be better and more fruitful than you could have ever imagined with these practices. So the rest of chapter 5, he gives them six simple practices to pursue. And these practices radically shape our relationships. Our lectionary this reading, uh, our lectionary reading this morning simply gave us four of those six. I don't know why I left out the last two. Maybe it just figured four was enough for one Sunday. Okay, but we have four of these practices we're going to look at. And this is our reading, Matthew 5, 21-37. If you'd like to stand with me for this reading, feel free. And you can join with me in the bold section. When um, Amy was gracious to bold this week is the, but I tell you. And, and every time we get into that, I want you to think of Jesus telling us to go deeper. It's not that what was said initially was wrong. It's just it didn't go far enough. And to go deeper into God's will for our lives. The words of Jesus you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to the judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court, and anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them, and then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge. The judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. 
And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply, yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. What they were doing was not working. And Jesus invites them to try something else, to try something deeper. One of the things and the principles that we see in this passage before I briefly go through these four and then we're going to have our interview for this morning is the principle that if we want change to happen, it starts with ourselves. If we want a change to happen, we have to be willing to change first. Okay, That does not mean whatever the problem is is all our faults. And that does not mean that the other person does not need to change. Most likely, the other person needs to change too. But here's what Jesus is reminding us of. You can't make another person change. You can only change yourself. And I've spent most of my life thinking, man, I sure wish that person would change. <laughs> if I only did this, I could convince them to change. If I only did this, I can convince them to change. And then maybe it was hitting 40. I don't know what it was, but thinking... Maybe I'm the difficult one. In my marriage, in my family life, in my church, don't amen that one, okay? But in my workplace, whatever it is, maybe I'm the one that needs to change. And these are the changes that take place. Jesus said, you've heard it said, do not murder. And Jesus is very clear. That's a good command. Okay, Jesus is against murder. Let's be very clear. But Jesus is clearly saying, that command doesn't go far enough. Okay? It doesn't go far enough. Last week, I had the blessing of doing a combined class with the kids, okay, while uh, Sheila and Matt were doing some, some training, okay? And as we sat down, okay, I, I didn't want anybody to get hurt, but if I just said, hey, as long as no one commits murder, we're fine today, right? We had much greater hopes for what was going to take place. The command don't murder, it just didn't go far enough, right? Because you can do a lot of things to somebody, and not murder them. So Jesus says, pursue reconciliation. Be obsessed with reconciliation. Desire reconciliation. And do the hard work to be reconciled. Now, we can't force reconciliation on people. I got some people in my life, they don't want to be reconciled. I can think of two people in my life that I think of it at least once a month. I'm not reconciled with them. I want to be reconciled with them. But they've shut the door, right? But I've tried to do my part in saying, I'm sorry, I'm here at any point if you want to reconcile. But to be focused on reconciliation 
is to be willing to make the first move. If we sit around and we wait for the other person to make the, the first move, it, it may never happen. And so, just one example, and you've probably been in that in some of these examples, but as I've seen or sought to have the Holy Spirit work in me and obey the teachings of Jesus, the example of going to visit my aging grandmother, and she said, well, there you are. You haven't come and seen me in forever. Instead of saying, well, I'm, I'm busy, and immediately we get into that cycle of saying, I'm so glad to see you. And just take a different route. I don't have to take that bait. I can just take a different route and say, Grandmother, I'm so glad to be with you now. You look great. <laughs> and instead of the, oh, you're later, oh, the house is a wreck, I'm so glad to be home. Hey, it, it's good to be together. Aren't we glad that we're here? And to choose to take a different route and to pursue reconciliation. I do not like to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I think one of the things Jesus is saying at, we need to be a group of people that are willing to say we're sorry and not like, I'm sorry, your turn. <laughs> so I've had a lot of times where I'm like, I'll say I'm sorry and it's like, and, and they don't say anything back and I want to be like, to be clear, I was just sorry for my part in this, okay? And I'm going to be passive-aggressive going back. It's this sense of wanting to justify ourselves. And can we say, hey, I apologize. I apologize for what I did to hurt you. I'm sorry. And one of the things that moves me about Jesus' statement here is he says, when you're going to worship, when you're going to lay it to the altar, if you're not reconciled with someone, just pause, go be reconciled with them, then come back and worship. How many of us would be here this morning if we obeyed that literally? <laughs> and we said, time out, communion on hold, let's go reconcile, we'll meet back when that's done. Boy, these are hard teachings, right? Let's, that's getting too hard. Let's move on to the next one, okay? He says, you've heard it said don't commit adultery. I tell you not to lust, okay? Jesus believes adultery is wrong. Having a sexual relationship with someone you're not married to is wrong, Okay? But he's saying, that doesn't go far enough. How many egregious stories have we heard of sexual harassment, sexual abuse, objectification, just being humiliated, your body treating like you weren't truly in the image of God or something like that, and someone would say, yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't consummated or something like that. But you can still drastically hurt people. What Jesus is saying, honor people. The goal should not be, how much can I do, but yet not cross this line? The goal should be, how can I treat every single person I ever come in contact with as the image of God and honor them? And no one, no one else should ever be used for my enjoyment. For my pleasure. And there are all kinds of forms of objectification. We objectify people for their beauty, for their skills, for all kinds of things. What does it mean to just simply say, I'm going to honor them and that's what I'm going to pursue? Third, he says, You've heard as long as you had, as long as you filed the correct paperwork, divorce was cool. <laughs> but I say, 
Now, only divorce for these reasons and in this manner. And the cultural thing that's going behind that is they practiced an easy form of divorce. Only men could divorce their wives. Women couldn't. And men would simply get tired of the person they were married to. They wanted an easy out. And as long as the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed, everything was legal. And men would pass women around. And it was all legal. It was all ethical under this system. But this is the situation going on. We're going to do this story in a few weeks when Jesus encounters the Samaritan woman at the well who's been married six times and now she's with the seventh man who has not married her. And you're like, what's going on there? It was these pernicious practices of divorce that were sexist. It was just sexist men passing women around. And what Jesus is saying, instead of trying to figure out how can I get out of this arrangement, <laughs> in a legal, ethical way where I can save face in the community, what does it mean to make commitments and to be a person of a commitment? And not every marriage is going to work, but what does it mean to be a person of commitment? And to say one of the goals of my life is to make this work, and I'm not going to be the one that walks away. It's a very different type of thing. The fourth one that Jesus gives us here, it's even more cultural, because i got to tell you, I have never been tempted in my life to swear on Jerusalem. <laughs> okay. What was going on here is people were being manipulative and they were, okay, let me put it this way. Have you ever listened to someone talk and they say, it all sounded great, but I have no idea what they meant. <laughs> okay. See politicians, for example, right? Okay. But like they're saying a bunch of stuff, but you have no idea what it means. They had learned in their culture to make oaths and to swear and all this stuff. And I'm not it's not swear like a four-letter word, but like promise on your mother's grave, pinky swear, whatever you did growing up. And um, it was manipulative speech. Manipulative speech. I have come to think of this verse as maybe the most important verse in the Sermon on the Mount for our cultural moment. What does it mean? For Christians to stand up and say, we're going to be about truth. Because we follow the person that's the way, the truth, and the life. So we're not going to get into manipulative, controlling speech. We're just going to speak true things. We're not going to constantly try to spin everything. There's so much spin in our world, right? And when things are untrue, we're just going to say, that's untrue. That is true. And like we're going to be a part of the truth. And if something is a falsehood, we're going to be like, I don't, I don't want to be anywhere near a falsehood. Because that's, that's from the evil one, and we're going to talk about that more in a couple weeks. <clears throat> well, at this point, um, as we think about these practices, uh, I'm going to call up our interview today. Uh, Prentice is going to be our, our interview. Prentice, if you want to come on up. Dr. Ashford is the Dean of Community Life at Lipscomb University, and I couldn't think of anyone better talking about relationships with hard people than dealing with university life, right? <laughs> Thanks for doing this. Um, in my limited experience around university life, college life, it just reminds me you have so many different constituencies with students, faculty, staff, alumni, parents. You have just so many different people involved. And uh, I'm constantly amazed in any college that you can keep all those people halfway on the same page or something like that. Yeah. So I had a few questions that I emailed with him uh, in previous weeks. So in your 
work and university life, and you've been in other universities besides Lipscomb, what are common mistakes people make in working well together? Well, I'd say a common mistake I make is thinking I can balance all those constituencies <laughs> at the same time. But uh, and this week in particular, I came in contact with all those constituencies. I know, but a lot of the work that I do, as JP said, deals directly with, okay, you have, you're viewing something this way, you're viewing something this way, let's figure out a way to move forward. And so the, the three things that I see the most is one, we take things incredibly personally, right? Just right off the bat, you did this to cause harm to me, um, on both sides, on all sides. Um, I do it in my role too, um, but taking things incredibly personally, but also assuming your intention um, especially when we think of reconciliation, especially when we think of infractions that have, that have happened. It's just that it's, it's assuming that your intent was ill or your intent had me in mind. And then the other one is, is creating a story. So you did this to me, here's why, and before we've even had a conversation, I've already created four or five different narratives as to how you came to that decision. Um, so I think I would say taking things personally, assuming intent, and then just creating narratives. For sure. I feel convicted already. I think I'm guilty <laughs> on all three of those this past week. Um, so the flip side of that, uh, what approaches and postures have you found helpful seeking reconciliation and helping those individuals? Probably a lot of times you're the third party called in, but like, what are the helpful practices? Yeah, I didn't even write this one down, but what I found helpful is as soon as you can help people know let people know that this is in a punitive process. Mm -hmm. We have to do that a lot, you know. Students will come to me and say, well, you're not gonna get your professor fired. Or a student will come to me and say, I want that other student kicked out of school. You know? <laughs> Letting people know this is, this is educational. This is, we're in an environment that gives us an opportunity uh, to have these moments to then get better and go forward. So I, I think one, to get to your question, is acknowledging that an infraction has occurred. Um, I think is, is the first step there is, yes, something did happen, whether I view it big or small, um, something did happen. But also, uh, next is allowing that person to come into that reconcilia reconciliation process um, on their own time. You know, I'm thinking about your grandma, thinking about your reaction, thinking about uh, things that you mentioned. It's, okay, I'm ready to talk about it right now. I'm ready to enter into this process right now, but that person may not be ready. And that's okay, it may take a while, you know? But then also reconciliation, but also restitution, mm. I think comes into play, is replacing what is lost. Mm. So saying I'm sorry is one thing, mm. but also however long, whatever time period has transpired, um, things were lost, whether it's time, energy, effort, emotion, money, resources, whatever it is, I think a part of that is making sure I'm trying to replace what was lost, and sometimes with interest, you know, um, it, because that, that has happened. But then also, I would say the last thing is not taking the first exit ramp when it gets uncomfortable. You know, <laughs> reconciliation is tough, it's difficult in marriages, in relationships, in work, um, but a lot of times I, I'm guilty of this, is once I see, okay, I'm making this effort, it's uncomfortable, I see an exit ramp, I'm gonna take the first exit that I can rather than continuing and engaging in that process. That's good stuff. Right, can I take a quick detour? Sure. So you said, okay. In campus life, university life, if you have an experience where someone is willing to apologize, but they don't 
they don't see the need for restitution. And I, and I confess, I've been there so many times in my life. I said I was sorry. Why are we still talking about this? You know, so it's, I apologize, but I don't understand the whole restitution. What is, how do you help them see that? Like, what's that process like? And so in my role, I can put some systems and measures in place until you get it. <laughs> until you understand and you can see it. Oh, that's tough. I mean, I don't. Sometimes, sometimes you just go, okay, well, just don't talk to the other person, or let's just try to figure out a way that you're sorry, whether it's intentional or not, or if you mean it, doesn't just continue to do more harm or hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's such a long process where we'll I'll continue to call the person back, or we'll just have to say, okay, we'll just put a pin in it right here, mm-hmm. and then come back once you're able to kind of see how we need to discuss mm-hmm. this more. I mean, that's just time. But it's always hard when a person's yeah. at that place, too. I don't honestly don't really know what to do uh, right at the moment. I love the reminder of time. I think it tells us that sometimes I want reconciliation to be a five-minute conversation right. and everything yeah. to be good and not that clean. the process of it. Third question. Jesus talks about letting your yes be yes and your no be no. What have you learned about using simple, clear speech as well as being a truth teller? Man, it's one of those things you... Once you get to the end and you use simple and clear speech, you go, why didn't I do that from from John? <laughs> why did I do that from the beginning? Um, simple and clear speech, yes, and that's your yes be yes, no be no, is an incredibly, at least in my experience, difficult um, place to come to. Because whether it's out of fear, you know, I don't, whether it's out of uh, manipulative speech, um, or I just don't want to, or I figure out there's another, there's another way, um, it's 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 hard to do, you know. I have a student come to me, or faculty, staff, spouse, whoever it is, and sometimes I just don't want to hurt feelings. Sometimes I think Prentice is a very nice guy, and I don't want to be viewed otherwise. But sometimes you just got to go, no, yes, no, this is what you did. But what I realize is, at the end, the other person will go, well, why didn't you just say that from the beginning? It's so much clearer. I understand exactly what you want me to do, or exactly, I understand exactly how you feel. Uh, we could have avoided all of this had you just been clear with your language or your speech. That's helpful. And then last question, uh, just thinking about the Sermon on the Mount as a whole, what else do you find helpful in Jesus' teaching here when it comes to peace, justice, and reconciliation? So I think, especially the portion that we talked about today, is just a sense of urgency of reconciliation, because I think, at least in my experience, things get worse the longer we let them fester and linger, rather than, you know, in, in uh, verse 23 and 24, it spoke to, you know, if you're offering a gift, put it down and go talk to that person. You know, just trying to nip it in the bud as quickly, or address the hurt or harm um, as quickly as you can, with respect to the other person and respect to the degree of infraction of what occurred. Um, but, you know, most of the time in my experience, what I experience is, yeah, you you did this last week. You should have just talked about it then or talked about it the day um, after. So trying to enter into that reconciliation process as soon as you realize, oh, man, something happened, just doing that, not letting it fester. And you probably see a lot of things fester in your work. <laughs> yes, all the time. All the time. Oh, man, yeah, that's Any other words? Uh, no. I, working at a college and a university, I always 
the thing, just for those who don't know what it's like working at a college or university, it's the students are often the most pleasure, the, the, the best part of the role, right? <laughs> Reconciliation with students is incredible because they understand, man, yes, something needs to happen. It's when you have the adults in the room or the alum or the parents, that's where it gets real tricky really quickly. So I just, parents who have students in college or getting ready to go to college, or the students are ready to do these things mm -hmm. and ready to apply these things. So I guess that's, that's a lot. The older folks just, yeah, we like me, just yeah. don't get in the way. Right? Oh, don't get in the way. Well, thank you, Curtis. The sea returns to the sea. Let's sing the doxology together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Before Larry leads us in song, I want you to think of the most difficult person in your life right now. Don't turn and look at them, but uh, <laughs> think of the most difficult person in your life right now. And I want you to think of two words that Prentice said, based on the teachings of Jesus, that seem opposite, but really go together. And that was patience and urgency. And those seem to be different things, but they're really linked together. What does it mean for us to have an urgency about our relationships and reconciliation, but to also be patient and let the Holy Spirit do its work in good time? And that is our calling. And you are not alone in that. The Spirit is with you. Let us stand together and sing. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing pot? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you holy, trusting in his grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the blood, in the soul, cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily? Savior's side, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed, are you washed in the blood, in the blood, in the soul, cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin, and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean, oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul cleansing blood? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb?
He just said, thank you for the blood. Amen. So today, sorry, this is why I don't do communion. <laughs> At least up here, I mean, I do it down there, but up here, it's not great. Um, because at the heart, I know that this is a big, mind-blowing thing. The God who held back the Red Sea, who created the earth, who, who raised people from the dead, who, who did all of these miraculous, huge things, closed the mouths of lions. That God became human. He became a baby that had to be protected. <laughs> he became a friend who reclined at a table and broke bread. <clears throat> he became a servant who wrapped a towel around his waist and cleaned feet. He cried when his friend died. He had friends. He had a mother who he obeyed when she was like, um, go back there and make, you can fix that line problem. And he just did it because mama said to. That God who did all these things became like us to connect to us. And I forget that. I forget all he gave up and all he did to humble himself to become like my dad, a mechanic with dirt under his nails. So today, let's just be thankful and stand in a little bit of awe and a little bit of humility as we take this, this bread and this wine. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the body, your body. Amen.
Father, thank you so much for your blood that makes us clean. Through your son's name we pray. Amen. <coughs> Forty-six.
Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will be rewarded according to the, their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Pray with me, please. Thank you, Lord, for providing increase and for reminding us that our job is just to plant and water and not to necessarily even expect anything in return or to feel like what we have done has been worthy of the return that you give us. Keep us um, in your presence and keep us um, close to your work that you have for us. Help us to remember each and every day that we are your hands and your feet and that you are the one who uses that to do good to spread throughout the world. Thank you for each one here and help us as we go out to have a wonderful week this week. In Jesus' name. So uh, in the spirit of reconciliation, uh, something that I learned this week, and I have yet to put it into practice, but I plan on putting it into practice. Uh, and this works out very well for my kids. William, you should be listening. Uh, is when there's disagreements, maybe you should go by the rule of three. Uh, so I don't know, maybe you're planning something special for your loved one uh, this Valentine's Day coming up on Tuesday, remember. Um, is that uh, instead of having a disagreement about finding a word you go, you present three options. You eliminate one, your person that you're talking with eliminates one, and the third one is what you go with. So William, it's a good thing to do with your sister when you disagree. Um, or anybody in life, um, it could be a, a really nice thing for you. Um, so reminder, Valentine's Day, February 14th, it's on Tuesday. And a good thing to do that day, not only to share love with your loved ones, is also to uh, reach out to Sora Perkins and say happy birthday. Um, so Sora, happy early birthday. Liam, happy early birthday. He's got a birthday this week as well. Not Valentine's Day, but he'd still love a lot of love. Uh, I want to remind you guys of a variety of things that are coming up. There, there's a lot of stuff. There's a, a pretty good um, list on the back of the bulletin uh, for, for things coming up. But uh, we are doing, on Wednesday nights, we're doing a, a little bit different of a, a, a 
Wednesday class at the Conways uh, and kind of talking about suicide prevention. Uh, in, a, in a world of mental health challenges that are out there that we're a lot more talkative about, it would not be bad to stretch our own minds and figure out how you can help yourself and others. Um, you know, for, for a lot of us, uh, Ackland has a, a lot of unique things going on. Some of you may know about uh, Ackland and, and the reason why we do certain things. Um, well, you can learn about those. February 19th, next Sunday, uh, there's going to be an Ackland 101 class to, to give you the 411 on why we do things and uh, maybe how we, we can get you plugged in and everything there. Uh, I do want everybody to know that I've seen the dumbest this morning. They look great. And I've licked every one of the ones with sprinkles on them. Every one of the ones with sprinkles on them. Matt, did you lick some too? We have the Girl Scout cookies that you ordered. Oh, added bonus. I did not lick the Girl Scout cookies. Those are awesome. <clears throat> um, we do want to uh, remind the ladies uh, about Valentine's Day uh, coming up here. Uh, February 25th, there's more information. Um, in the, in the bulletin about that if you are interested in Valentine's Day. Men, we need to plan something. Um, a room at the end. We've got one more Sunday that we need to capture. Uh, the fifth has been taken care of by the Thorntons. The 19th, uh, we've been blessed by the Solenbergers. They are gonna help spearhead the meal, but I need a, a couple of people to stay the night and then maybe somebody else to help with the meal. Uh, so if you are available to partner and help with that, please let me know. Also, uh, be on the lookout to um, Welcome back to those that are on the prayer retreat. I had the opportunity to, to go the last time I had one, and six hours of silence makes a big difference in one's life. So hopefully you'll see a, a little bit of the glow that uh, is on their faces when they, when they come back. Uh, and then a reminder, we do have spring uh, quarter classes to sign up for. Uh, that'll start the beginning of March, the first Sunday of March. Mr. Conway, you have a special note. Is beautiful. Somebody flushed some ice cubes. Uh, anybody else? All right. Thank you. Have a good day. I like the sprinkled donuts, kids. Every one of them. You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue, the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is http colon slash slash org. Thanks again for joining us. God bless.